Welcome to the Cornerstone Christian Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jim Tarr. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cccbasalt.com. Just a reminder for everyone that um, we're all corporately looking together for Pastor Matthew and Taylor and their family to have a place to live starting May 1st. So if you know of any possibility option that's out there, renting, of course, is difficult. Um, we'd like to see them be able to get their foot into the, the market here in the valley. Just uh, they want to be here for the long term. So if you have any ideas, just let us know. Anyway, God is good, isn't he? You know, this is Palm Sunday where we um, on the calendar, historically, remember when Christ rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. But we've been studying the book of Revelation where he's the white horse rider coming in victory. So we can continue to look in that direction today. Tomorrow, um, I'm sorry, next week on Sunday, we're going to be taking a break and looking at the resurrection of Christ on Easter Sunday. But um, after that, we'll get right back into the book of Revelation. I'd like to just address the issue for all of you today that are sitting here wondering, why does the book of Revelation seem to be such a radical book? Why uh, is the story and the narrative so disturbing? And I think it's rooted in the understanding that uh, what exactly happened at the fall of man when Adam and Eve were created in the image of God, Satan hated that. He hated that very moment. We're going to be looking at today some of the principal characters found in Revelation chapter 12 and 13, seven characters that are involved in the seven-year period prophesied not just in the book of Revelation in the New Testament, but actually prophesied in the Jewish um, covenant book, the Old Testament, where the prophets were talking about a seven years of trouble. Now you say, why is this so cataclysmic? First off, let's understand that God loves you, all of us, and his creation too much to let it continue on as, as, as it's been going. The impact of the fall of Adam and Eve not only corrupted the earth, not only corrupted Adam and Eve, but the Bible says from that point on, everyone was conceived with iniquity. What does that iniquity word mean? It means a bend. So everyone was conceived with a bend in their heart. We know what happens when we, with the idea of a bend. We're meant to go there, but a bend sets us off course. It might like, look like a little nudge in some, some more than others. Some people's bends might have been glaringly obvious if you ended up in the judicial courts or whatever it might be. But even the best among us, you know, it might not be visible. All of us have a bend. Humanity has a bend. And it gets us off course. And that's why the Bible says there's none righteous, not even one. When Adam and Eve fell, let's understand this, that Satan hated the fact that humanity was created in the image of God, the reflection of God. So, so um, glorious was that creation that God entrusted to mankind the earth. And he said, you be fruitful, you multiply, you inhabit the earth, you take dominion. This is your place to rule. The heavens belong to God and the earth he gave to man. And that understanding when Satan saw that Adam and Eve were created in the image of God, that even by the very words that would come out of their mouth can change the course and direction of things. Just the spoken word. 
a great reflection of being created in the image of God. Well, Satan, all he needed to do was change the words, change their confession, get them to doubt. And so he came to Adam and Eve and he wanted to take from Eve the title deed to the earth that God had given to them. You be fruitful, you multiply. So Eve obeyed. Whoever you obey is your God. She obeyed the temptation of Satan and by that drew Adam into her fall and the corruption of humanity began. But this is what was aggravating to the enemy of humanity those created in the image of God. As soon as Satan got Adam and Eve to fall, God cursed Satan. So that he told, he told the serpent, he says, uh, the descendant of Eve, she, you're gonna strike his heel, not a mortal wound. You're gonna strike his heel, but he will turn and he will bruise you, wound you on the head. He will crush you. No, wait a minute. Satan's probably thinking, when I rebelled, was there any promise for my redemption? No. Why? He knew very clear, I was never made in the image of God. That was given to man. So he hates that. The fact that God never, think about this, mankind rebelled against God and God became flesh, human, and he dwelt among us to redeem us. Now, Think about this at the same time. When Satan fell, did he ever take on the nature of an angel in order to die for the angels so that they could be saved? No. This was something primarily held for mankind. It was a, a, a love for God. I think that what we're witnessing right now that's happening globally, and you know, if you've been around me long enough, I find alarming trends of an anti-human, anti-those who are created in the image of God movement that's going on in the earth today. New Jersey just passed a law that in second grade they'll, talk, they'll, they'll do gender studies, which is inviting kids, and I, I read part of the legislation, inviting them to believe that your bi biology does not determine your gender and that there's more than one gender. And you know what? Here's how it's framed that that's the loving move towards children. So let me get a hold of this now. It's the loving thing to actually mutilate children, change their genitalia, get young girls to have a mastectomy, put them on puberty blockers so that they can never have a child for the rest of their life. And that's the loving thing to do. And if you don't agree with it, then you're the hater. Isn't that kind of... Isn't that kind of strange? And we ask ourselves the question, how it seems like within a year have we become proponents of urging children towards surgeries that brutalize their bodies? How did that happen? Because Satan is a deceiver and he's a liar. Uh, the state of California just found out before the service, it has one more step to approve abortion and according not to uh, prenatal rules and boundaries, but perinatal, which includes from week 28 to week four after birth. So when we're looking at these kind of things, now whether it will, how it will land on all of that, we already know that New Jersey has given 48 hours after birth to determine whether that child is valid enough. See, the whole thing is this. Once you remove God, then people don't even realize personal destiny. And that you can actually look in a mirror. You know, when I was a kid we, we, and sat in church, we would just say, I wonder what the will of God is for my life. 
we didn't know how basic it was to be a man, <laughs> to be a woman. Once you remove God, the whole structure collapses. It's rooted in the hatred of humanity. So as we're looking at this, we're looking at the Revelation chapter 12 and 13, and this is the unleashing, the cleaning up of heaven, Satan being cast out of heaven. He comes to the earth with a final rage, knowing that his days are numbered. So as we look at this and you just say, man, I wish it weren't such a brutal prediction of the future, and it doesn't feel as though it's full of hope. There is so much hope that is in it that God is on the throne. He's ruling over the affairs of men. He gave humanity the opportunity to choose him to be God in their life or not, because love is a choice. If it's forced, it's the worst. So God gave mankind choice, but he loves us and he's not gonna let these kind of things continue to happen. So let's turn in our Bibles to Revelation chapter 12 and 13. We're not gonna get to 13, but we're gonna be looking at the next couple of weeks, the seven key characters of the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 12, verse one, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars. And she was pregnant and she cried out, being in labor and in pain to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and 10 horns and on his heads were seven crowns. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and her, hurled them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. And she gave birth to a son, a male, who is going to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war and they did not prevail. <clears throat> there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and the angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb, and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you with great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would honor your word today and that you, Lord, come Father, that you would give me the exact words to speak. Open up our hearts, Lord, and let everything be received with faith. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. So listen, this is not a sermon of despair. It's a sermon of great hope. It's a sermon of the glimpse of heaven that God is in control. Even in the time when the earth is going to face things that it has never faced before. We're going to be looking at seven characters that are revealed here that are going to be playing a key role during the seven years of trouble upon the earth. The first one is a sun-clothed woman who has the moon under her feet and a crown with uh, 12 stars on it. Then there is a dragon. We're going to be looking at a male child being born. We're going to look at the archangel, also the remnant. Then we won't get to it this week, but then we'll be looking at the beast out of the sea and the beast that comes out of the earth. So let's first off look at the sun-clothed woman. Revelation 12, 1, a great sign appeared in the heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars. And she was pregnant and she cried out, being in labor and in pain to give birth. So John is having this vision and let me remind everybody that these, these images that are given are very symbolic, but they'll be very real key players, but there's symbolism to it. So who is this woman clothed in the sun with the moon under her feet and 12 stars that are appearing on her head? Well, let's turn in our Bibles, if we can, to the, uh, where, where the, the story of Joseph's dream. Let me just read this for you. Joseph had a dream. Now, do you remember who Joseph was? Joseph and his many colored coat, right? He is the one that was seeing by the vision of the Lord and in a dream that there was going to be a, a, a famine that came to the earth and that the, even the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were going to be in peril and that God's promise to them as his people could fail because they could die out. But God gave a a dream to a man named Joseph, one of the descendants of the fathers of the faith. And in this dream is where we receive the, the dream of the revelation that his brothers were going to bow down and show obeisance to him. And that is because he was gonna be promoted by Pharaoh and be able to provide food for his brothers. Here's what Joseph saw in his dream. He informed his brothers and said, behold, I have had another dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars are bowing down to me. So here we say Joseph is seeing himself and he's seeing the sun, the moon, and 11 stars. And what is that about? It's a picture that God had given to Joseph thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years before the seven years of trouble that were coming. And the dream is of one with the sun, the moon. But Joseph, you said, he saw 11 stars. Why did he see 11 stars? Because he was the 12th star. He said, I saw 11 stars and they were his brothers that they're bowing down to me. This is a beautiful unwrapping of who the woman is in the book of Revelation. Israel is going to play a very key role in the last days. And so the woman in John's vision is the nation of Israel. And this woman is about to give birth. Now there's more references that refer to that because it says in Isaiah 54 verse 5, that's a prophecy to the nation of Israel, your husband is your maker who is the Lord of the armies. Now some people try to say the woman in the book of Revelation, that's the church. But since when is the church bearing a child. This is actually the nation of Israel, and it says that the Father, God the Father, is her husband. So we're finding out that the 
the woman in the book of Revelation, the nation of Israel, is pregnant by the hand of God. That God was going to bring forth a male child through the nation of Israel that is going to very, have a very key role in the future. Doesn't it say in Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah, a Jewish prophet, verse 6, said this, Unto us a child is born. Unto us, the nation of Israel, a son is given. And the government will rest upon his shoulders. It also says this by the prophet Isaiah, before the coming of Jesus Christ, of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. In the book of Revelation chapter 12, Israel is pregnant and about to birth a male child. And it says that he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. This is talking about the role of the nation of Israel and also the male child born to the nation of Israel who is going to, his destiny is actually to rule the nations. There is coming a day when, listen, a, a Democracy is a terrible system, but it's the best one out there so far. The best kind of government is where the world would be ruled by the kind and benevolent, the, the justice-seeking graciousness of Jesus Christ himself, that the Bible says that he will establish his kingdom. And that of the increase, the advancement of his government, all the nations will ultimately come under the authority of the male child that's born to the nation of Israel. And that's when the world is finally going to experience the peace of God. Well, what is happening in John's vision? Well, in, in verse 3, another sign appeared in heaven. I see the woman who's pregnant, but there's a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his head were seven crowns. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven, and he hurled them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. This is quite a gruesome picture. The woman is actually crying out. She is in the birthing process of travail. And there is a salivating dragon waiting to eat her child. What is that the picture of? It's the picture of the fact that the one who was a red dragon, the symbol of blood, that Jesus said concerning him, he's been a murderer since the very beginning. When Adam and Eve received a promise that they're going to have a seed that's going to crush Satan, the serpent, what is the first thing that the devil did? He tempted Cain, the unrighteous brother, to kill Abel, the righteous brother, the Satan, the dragon who will come against Israel has been a murder from the very beginning. He is murdering humanity. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. When you and I are watching the effects of the things that are going on the earth as it gets closer to the last days, there'll be an increase of a murderous spirit that's released upon the earth. It will come first for the most innocent and the defenseless. It'll come for the unborn. It'll come for newborn babies, just like Satan. As soon as Jesus was born, he, he, he tempted Herod to kill all the children, male children, from two years old and under. He hates children because he hates the promise of God. And as you and I are watching what happens to the murderer, it's a blood-red dragon. He's been that way from the very start. 
It's the same one that was perfectly comfortable with killing all the male children in Egypt because the devil knew that there was a promised one among the Jewish slaves and he was determined to wipe them out. This dragon comes forward with seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns. It's a little bit different that we see the Antichrist that will show up. He has seven heads and ten horns, but he has ten crowns on top of each horn. But we're beginning to realize, wait a minute. There is coming the casting out of the dragon, the serpent, Satan himself, is going to be cast down. Three and a half years into the tribulation period and the time of troubles that we find out that by him being cast down, we can see crowns and heads and multiple heads and horns, which shows the connection of Satan himself who's going to come to the earth. Did you realize this? The devil's not done with this strategy. As we have in our faith of Christianity, we understand of the triune God. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Did you know that Satan has hated that model and he's going to do everything he can to duplicate it? What we're watching what's happening here in the book of Revelation is that there is an antichrist. But who is he going to be the, the seed of, the fruit of? He's going to come out of the, in, the, the indwelling of the dragon. The dragon will present himself as the father, the enabler. The Antichrist will present himself as the son, like Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And then there's going to come a false prophet who's operating in the prophetic gift, a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Satan's last attempt is to imitate the triune God. Do you remember when he fell that he said he will rise above God? He's recognized from the very beginning the effectiveness and the power of the Trinity. And he wants to duplicate it as well. So he is standing before the woman and he's waiting for that child to be born to devour it. And we realize that this has already happened 2,000 years ago. And you say to me, Pastor Jim, why is this revelation coming to John halfway through the revelation of the seven years of the tribulation period? It's because I want to remind everybody that God only deals with the church the Gentile world that's come to Christ and those who believed in him, at the very beginning of the book, he talks to seven churches and he reveals the history of the church. But the book of Revelation is the, the fulfillment of God's promises to the nation of Israel. The church has not replaced Israel. God has told the Jewish people, I have loved you with an everlasting love. The book of Revelation is a, one of the hardest passages for us to read is that God blinded the eyes of the nation of Israel so they could not see Jesus the Messiah. And he did that for the sake of the Gentile world. And it wasn't for the 300 years that Christianity was considered by the world nothing more than a Jewish cult. Oh, it's just a branch of Judaism. And the break had to happen. Why? So that the Gentile world could understand that Jesus was not just the Messiah of the Jews, though he is, but he's the Messiah and the Savior of the whole world. How did that happen? It happened because Israel 
Israel could not see. They could not see who he was. And that was part of the effective ways of the Gentile world being able to receive him. But so that you can understand, God is not done with the Jewish people. And there's coming a day where the Bible even says that all Israel will be saved. God is going to reveal himself. The plan and strategy of the Lord is absolutely amazing. While you and I are watching unfolding events and it feels as though the devil might have the upper hand, I want you to know that there are people on the earth today and it's you and it's me and God has called us to be overcomers by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. As we're looking at this passage right here, the Satan is, he's, he's crouched right there, ready to eat the baby as soon as it's born, the Messiah, the promised one who's supposed to crush his head. And so what did he do at the cross? Satan came and he, he struck Jesus on the heel, but it was not a mortal blow. No, it took him down into the grave, but God raised him again from the, from the dead. And what we're studying in the book of Revelation is the actual unfolding of events where Christ is going to come and he's going to destroy the accuser of the brethren, Satan himself, once and for all. And he will not rise again. He is this horrible and, and this great dragon. But he's called in the Bible the prince of the power of the air, the prince of this world. We find out that he has seven crowns. Seven is the number of perfection. Why? Because we have to realize today that Satan is the God of this world. And that in his effectiveness, he has, he has seven, he, he reflects the number of completeness, the number seven. Seven is the, the number of God. So why would Satan be allowed to have the number of seven? Because Satan has reign right now. You say, why would God let that happen? God didn't let that happen. He gave to Adam and Eve a choice, and Adam and Eve, you know, whoever you obey becomes your God. And by the simple choice of listening to him say, hey, why don't you eat of the fruit of the tree? He became their God. He overpowered them because he was their God, and he took the title deed of the earth. And now here we find out that Satan, he, he has a really good system. It's the number of completion that is attributed to him. He has such completion in his ability over humanity that he's given the number seven because he's called the God of this world. Now understand this, Satan is not called the God of the earth. The Bible says this very clearly, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But Satan is the God of this world. What does the world reflect? It, 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 it describes the systems that humanity is created on the earth. The systems belong to the devil. The devil controls political systems. People say to me right now, how come we can't seem like we can get the other half? Because the devil, he can lie, he can steal, he can kill, he can destroy. I mean, that kind of stuff is going on at political systems. Jesus says that's how he operates. To get his way, he'll steal, he'll kill, and and destroy. And I don't have pictures of politicians up there that I believe that have done all three, but I believe that they're out there. It's also the very system that, that runs the media. You just say to yourselves, why do they have such an advantage? Why do they have such power? It's because Satan is the God of the world. The, the world system controls the media that's out there. The world system controls entertainment. The world system controls education. You're saying to yourself, why can't we stop this thing? No, it's not that we can't. There is a strategy and we have to participate. But understand this, the motivating and driving force behind the institutions of this world is driven by the power of Satan. This is why revelation gets so intense because there is a major uprooting that's got to happen. Yes. 
It has to happen. Crowns and thorns. Now when the dragon is cast out of heaven, we find out, and we're going to be studying this, he sees this one, this antichrist, who seems to be benevolent and the world loves him. He's made an agreement with the nation of Israel, and for the first three and a half years of his agreement, most likely he's going to be the one that builds the temple and reestablishes the Jewish religion of the sacrifice of animals and fulfilling all of that that they are involved in. Israel's gonna think, look, this has got to be the Messiah. When the dragon is cast out of heaven, he is the one then that inhabits the one, the Antichrist, who looks good so far, who's got the nations giving allegiance to him, and at that point, he's gonna turn vicious against the nation of Israel and even against all humanity. So this is the unfolding events of what we're looking what happens. It says that he has a tail and he sweeps a third of the stars of heaven. This is how we know and understand. Satan was created as the most beautiful cherub. Believe it or not, he was so beautiful, he was the finest, that his heart was filled with arrogance and with pride. When he fell, we understand this, that he took with him, by this scripture verse, a third of the angels fell with him. Now, just like the devil, when the devil comes to you and he says, hey, why don't you just do this? It's going to be a lot of fun. You know, it's, 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 it's the easier path to go. I want you to know, just like with all the angels, when he fell, what did he do? He took his tail and he took a third of the angels. And when he got kicked out of heaven, he made sure everybody else got kicked out of heaven. So the next time the devil wants wants to come and tempt you and say, this is a good path to take, I want you to know he's going to throw you out of heaven when he gets out of there himself. And that's all there is to it. He promises you the world, but I'm telling you, he's a liar and a deceiver and he's no good. Don't give him an inch of ground. Can you say amen? amen. Don't give the devil an inch of ground. And so with his tail, he sweeps a third of the heavens. It happened before Adam and Eve fell. At some point in eternity past, Satan, this beautiful cherub, actually in charge of protecting the throne of God from anything that's unholy, but his heart got lifted up with pride. Here's the whole thing. This is, the Bible says God hates the proud, um, or, or he resists the proud, I'm sorry, but he gives his grace to the humble. If there's one thing that you want to fight, it's the temptation to be proud. Because, see, Satan was a perfect being. He was perfect. He didn't need anything. The only way to get a perfect being to do the wrong thing is to point out to them God is greater and pride can come into their heart and they'll think they'll be like God. How did he tempt Adam and Eve? Perfect beings. How could two perfect beings fall? He said, God just doesn't want you to be like him. Ooh, what happened? He triggered the trigger point of pride. Great men, even great men, great women, righteous people. How do they fall? Something happens. They get to a place in God where everything is so good, God is blessing them, and what happens? Pride comes in. A perfect being can be brought down just merely by the issue of pride. That rebellion of Satan against the Father, and he says, I'm gonna be like you, and I'll be even greater than you, caused his own demise and his fall. 
And so in Matthew chapter 24, verse 11, we realize that Satan fell. But did you know, this is something that might be of interest to you, that Satan still has access to heaven. He goes in and out of heaven. Did you know that actually beyond the book of Revelations, that the Bible teaches us, us this, that all of heaven and all of earth will someday be melted with an, at an, with an elemental heat that will, that will melt everything because of the effects of the fall of Adam and Eve. And that Satan who's been in and out of heaven. Now, I'm not saying that heaven is a corrupt place, but I'm telling you the filth of the dragon, the filth of humanity someday as it's, it's spreading not just in the hearts of people, not just among the fallen angels, but the corruption that's on the earth today of sickness, of disease, all of that is related. And God said, there's coming a day where everything is going to have to be melted and I'm going to create a new heavens and a new earth. That's how bad it is. But right now, right now, Satan has access in and out of heaven. How do we know something like that? Do you remember when Satan wanted to be able to tempt Job? He had to go and get permission. How did he get permission? He got it from God. He went into heaven and he says, God, let's do this. And God says, you can do that, but you can't do this. There were limits on what he could put on him. Did you know that every time the devil comes to you, he has had to have gotten permission from God in order to be able to tempt you? That's why the Bible says you will not be tempted above what you are able. And while you can't be tempted above what you are able, God will make a way of escape so that you can get out of it. So I want you to know that God is making sure that your faith will not break. But he allows there to be testings and trials that come into our life because by those things we are perfected. And by those things we learn how to pray. And by those things we, need, we learn how to stand as men and women that are created in the image of God. And so there's a role that even though God is not in the evil and God is not in the devil, he can still use everything for your good and for his glory. Amen? And that's what we're seeing in this scripture right here. So Satan has yet to be cast into the eternal place of fire. Do you know, here's the thing, that eternal place of fire was never created for humanity. The Bible teaches us that it was prepared for the devil and his angels. Here's the truth of all of that, that each one of us merely spends eternity with who we made our God on the earth. And Satan's destiny is in the eternal place of fire. So the dragon giving birth to the child represents the birthing of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the male child in verse 5. She gave birth to a son, a male, who is going to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God into his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. So the child ultimately is born. So, do you, so you say to me, why is Jesus shown to be born at the part of the revelation that's halfway through the tribulation period? This is further proof that the book of Revelation is a, not a book written for the destiny of the church, but it's actually a book written for the destiny of Israel. We had the seven churches that are different periods of the church of unfolding events of church history. And John is watching that on the earth. And then comes the voice of the Lord that says, come up here. 
this beautiful picture of the church being taken up, the rapture of the church, before Satan can unleash all fullness of fury. One of those most strongest um, principles that are, is scriptural on why I believe that the church is raptured before the, the time where, the, where literally, I'm not swearing, hell is on earth is because the prayers of the saints, the prayers of the believers, right now hinder the full-blown expression of evil. That's why Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. Didn't he say to the church, ask me for anything believing you shall receive it? The church is that which restrains the evil on the earth. If only the church knew that. If only we knew that. The power of prayer and the role that we play. We would be a praying people. Jesus said, my house is to be a house of prayer for all nations. Why should we be praying for all nations? Because all nations is Jesus' destiny. Because where this is going is that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And Jesus Christ will reign forever and ever and ever. And those who paid the price to follow the Lord Jesus Christ will rule and reign with him upon the earth. And even we will be established to judge angels. We'll be able to judge angels. You know why? Because in this life, we've got a good taste of evil. We've got a whole snoot full of it. And when we're judging angels, we're gonna, they're going to try to explain their case. And we're going to say, man, I smelled something that I smelled like you before. And you are not good. You are not good. Why am I going through so much trouble? So that you might know what's evil. Because you will judge angels. He's waiting for the child to be born. You say, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. The baby's born halfway through the tribulation period. No, this book is written specifically to the Jewish people and how God's gonna finish his covenant with the nation of Israel and the promises he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will come to pass. There will not be one smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet, the alphabet that will not be fulfilled. Every promise of God to the Jewish people, just like every promise to you as a Gentile who's placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it will be fulfilled and that see this is how God concerning the nation of Israel we had the seven churches at the beginning and then the church represented by John is called to go up now as far as the nation of Israel this is how it looks in the economy of God God said from the prophet Daniel until the Messiah is is killed it's going to be 69 weeks of years that Daniel actually called it to the very date when the Messiah was going to be crucified. It's astounding. But then he said there's one week left. One week of years left. Seven years is left. But this is how God saw it. We see it from our Christian perspective. But as far as the nation of Israel that's going to be reading this book, they're going to be devouring this book. This is going to be their pattern. It's going to be their hope. It's going to be their expectation because the nation of Israel is going to be dying and laying down their lives because of their testimony. Plus, there's going to be Gentiles 
that listen to the two prophets that God is going to release on the earth, and they're going to believe in Jesus. But Revelation is how God deals with the Jews during the seven-week period. And remember, this is not about the church. So here's how it looks to God in the book of Revelation. A woman's about to give birth. The dragon comes to eat the baby. He tries to destroy the baby, but the baby is caught up into heaven. The dragon is cast down to the earth. Now this is in the future. To where then he unleashes his fury against the woman who birthed the child. And that's why it's included in this part of the story. And so concerning God and his treatment is his workings with the nation of Israel. He's never skipped a beat. Even though we see a parenthesis of the times of the church. And the Bible even talks about the times of the Gentiles needs to be fulfilled, where the Gentile nations are given an opportunity to believe in Jesus. I ho- are you all still with me? Yes. When the child is born, he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. That doesn't mean he's going to be tyrannical. He will reward all goodness and he will punish all iniquity. To rule with the rule of iron just shows he will not be tolerant. He will not give an inch to the devil. The book describes the ministry of Jesus as this, that he came to destroy the works of the devil. He will rule with a rod of iron and there will be no place for evil upon the earth. He will not allow one lie to stand, one murder. There will be no abuse of any children. There will be no starvation. There will be no hunger. There will be no government leaders that have the audacity audacity to hoard wealth and not spread it and share it with all the people. He will rule with a rod of iron and nothing's going to get around him. Now this is amazing. So now we have the next character, the fourth character in the book of Revelation. When Satan is going to be cast out of heaven, we find out that God doesn't just do it himself. Is God not powerful enough to cast Satan out of heaven? Absolutely. But God has created angels to do particular things. And he raises up this archangel. He, by the way, Michael's the only archangel that's described as an archangel, arch from like monarch. It's a ruling angel. And this ruling angel, actually, we find out throughout the scriptures that he was called the prince of God's people. He was the archangel that protects the nation of Israel. So when some of those rockets come flying into Israel, he's the one that catches them, all right? Michael, the archangel. We also find out that he's the one that is very present at the second coming of Christ. It's going to be the shout of Michael, the archangel. You're going to hear the voice. The first angelic voice most of you will ever hear is going to be the the shout of the voice of Michael, the archangel. And then you have to understand also that he is given a role in the Bible concerning the resurrection of the dead. He's also the one that wrestled with Satan over the body of Moses. Now, why God allows that to happen, I don't understand. Why doesn't God just step in and say, devil, stop. Body of Moses belongs to me. But God chooses to use angels. You know why? God's looking for people to partner with him. So Michael the archangel is the one that is actually gets into this wrestling match, this, this battle, by, the, um, by casting Satan out of heaven. 
This is two archangels that are going head to head. One who didn't enter into the rebellion against God and the one who did. Let's just read about that for a moment. A war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war and they did not prevail and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He is thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren and our sisters has been thrown down, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. Look at this. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason rejoice, you heavens and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has come down to you with great wrath knowing that he has only a short time. As we look at this passage right here, we understand that God partners. God has his angels. They wage war against the enemy. But the Bible says this, because it's a very clear picture here. There's an overcoming that happened. Michael overcame Satan. Satan, most likely, in the created order, was more powerful than Michael. But Michael was infused with the strength of something that the dragon didn't have. And it says in that passage there that, the, that the, the people who believe in God are to rejoice because the accuser of the brethren has been cast down and they have overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the word of his testimony. And as I realized that, I realized there was another man and his name was Daniel. And he wanted to get the revelation of what's going to happen to the Jewish people in the last days. And he was praying and he fasted for 21 days. Little did he know that as he was fasting and praying, the revelation came to him later that an angel was released, a strong angel. And that angel wrestled with the prince of Persia over the region where Daniel was asking for revelation. Daniel wanted revelation from heaven, but there was a, a barrier, a barrier to the revelation coming. And an angel needed to fight against the prince of that region, the prince of Persia. And how did that angel get the strength to beat this other principality? Well, when he finally, he did win the battle. And when the angel came with the revelation, he revealed to Daniel, he said, from the moment you began to pray, I was released from heaven. And I entered into the battle. But Daniel prayed for 21 days and he fasted and he sought the Lord. And the strength that the angel sent from heaven had over the regional principality, the dark power that controlled and manipulated that whole area was the prayers of Daniel. I'm telling you right here, part of the role of those who have come to faith in Christ during the tribulation period will be the role of they will overcome by the blood of the lamb and they will put down the accuser of the brethren. The one who goes, that's the person, that's the one who whispers in your ear when you're in worship and you're just having a great time and you look across the room and you go, oh great, there they are. <laughs> you know who that is? The accuser of the brethren. 
He's the same one when you go to worship, lift up your hands to worship the Lord this morning, and you just said, oh, Jesus, I just love you, I just love you so much, and he drops some immoral bomb into your brain, and you're like, where did that come from? <laughs> you're not worthy. Look at you, you had your hands up, and you thought about that. Who was that? The accuser of the brethren. The only people that end up being the overcomers are the one who by the blood of the lamb stand in the position of who they are in Christ. And they say, when that voice comes in, it just says, my hands are lifted up, Satan, because I am washed clean by the blood of the lamb and I will not back down from worship. You have nothing in me. I am bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, you want me to get mad at that brother over there on the other side of the room? You accuser of the brethren, that brother of mine is washed clean in the blood of Jesus Christ, and I don't care what they did to me, I don't care what they said about me, that we're all on the same team. You get away from me, devil. (laughs) The Bible says this, we come boldly to the throne of grace in the blood of the lamb. If you don't know what the blood of the lamb is, then you don't come boldly to the throne of grace. The only way that you can have any confidence in prayer. Some of us think our confidence in prayer is that we can use fast, fancy words and we study the book of Revelation and we understand it. It has nothing to do with that. You want, you want access to God. You want answers to your prayers. You want to see the devil destroyed in your life. There's only one way to do it. You stand in the ground of the blood of Jesus Christ. You know who you are. You know who he is. You know that he saved him, that that he saved you, and you understand this, that you are not battling against flesh and blood, not even your own flesh and blood. You're not battling against mom. You're not battling against dad. You're not battling against your boss. You're not battling against a family member. That is not where your battle lies, and if that's where your battle lies, you don't understand the blood, because the blood of Jesus Christ has forgiven the sins of all mankind. He says that, that, that he shed his blood not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. As far as the way we should look at people is to look at them through the eyes of Christ and believe that whether they're saved or not, that forgiven was bought and paid for, and God saw them so valuable that he died for them. In the middle of all of that, man, we become radical prayers for the kingdom of God to come, for Satan to be cast out. Our battle's not against flesh and blood, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Wear the blood of Christ. Speak the blood of Christ over you. When Satan comes and points out something wrong, you declare the blood and the righteousness of Christ over you. You don't wallow in your sin. You don't wallow in condemnation. You wallow in Christ, all right? That's where you stay. You just marinate in him. That's the kind of church, that's the kind of church that sees Satan cast down. And they're going to be doing it in a very real way halfway through the tribulation period. But you're battling the same battle right now. All he wants to do is get you to get your eyes on you and your eyes on someone else and get your eyes off Christ. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now is a day, now is a time for us to understand that, that the world needs to see people who, through the power of prayer and their commitment to God, cast the devil out of situations and raise and elevate 
the kingdom of God. You and I are the restraining force against the evil that's on the earth today. What we're seeing is going to happen in the future is something that we can be exercising right now. You and I are the restraining force against the devil. That's why the Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Having done everything, stand. I'm telling you again, if you are in the midst of overwhelming temptation and you feel as though there's no way that you can get the victory, I want you to know that the very heart and root of that temptation got permission and that God said there is a way of escape. I speak from experience. You don't always know the way of escape, but you pursue the Lord. You seek Jesus. Maybe, maybe I could even say to you, stop seeking your own personal spiritual perfection and start seeking the face of Jesus. Begin to understand who he is. That's the root of all, why God allows any temptation is so that through the furnace of struggles, we become more like Christ. We see Jesus for who he is, not a religion, not a leader, not any of that. We see him as our personal Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. So when he's cast out, they all celebrate. The accuser of the brethren has been cast down. Mm -hmm. He's accusing us before God day and night. They overcame, I'll be talking about that this week in the daily devotionals, overcoming by the blood of the lamb. When the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman and gave, who gave birth to the male child. But the two wings, it says, of the great eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for time, times, and half a time, three and a half years, away from the presence of the serpent. So what we find out what's going to happen here. See, this is again why I believe that the church has been taken out already before all these things unfold. Because why wouldn't God represent, why wouldn't he protect his own people? This is a promise that's given to the nation of Israel. And in that promise, we find out that when Satan comes against them, God is going to lift them up with eagle's wings. Now, let me just read a scripture for you. Moses and the nation of Israel had just escaped Egypt. Pharaoh is a type of the Antichrist, hated the promises of God for the nation of Israel. They find themselves at the bottom of Mount Sinai. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, This is what you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the sons of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I carried you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Little did we understand fully that when the revelation came that God delivered with eagle's wings the nation of Israel and took them into a wilderness, it's actually a picture of something that's going to happen in the future to the nation of Israel. When the dragon comes, he's going to wage war against the whole, all of humanity, but particularly against the Jewish people who brought the Messiah. And when that happens, God says, it's the same eagle's wings. They're going to come and they're going to take you into the wilderness, into that place where you're going to be protected. So as we look at this, let me just wrap up with what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24. When you see the abomination of desolation, an abomination in the Bible is an idol. 
when Satan fills the Antichrist, he's going to make an idol to himself and he's going to put it in the temple of Jerusalem. So here's what Jesus said. When you see the abomination of desolation, which is spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, the temple, let the reader understand. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get things out of his house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those women who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. Moreover, pray that when you flee, it will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation just has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will again. And if those days had not been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. So I just want to wrap up with this, this thought. I just want to encourage everybody here today. This book is so absolutely amazing, and yet it's tough to take in. Do you remember when John was shown a little scroll, and he was told to eat the scroll, that it was sweet in his mouth, but then it became bitter in his belly? There's a bitter sweetness to studying the book of Revelation. But here, let me just go to the sweetness. The bitterness is when we think about what the, the trouble that's going to come upon the earth. But here's the sweetness for you. The sweetness of the book of Revelation is this. is that God has given you authority over every power of the enemy. You are not a victim in this world. The devil, every voice that diminishes you takes away your understanding that you've been made beautifully in the image of God is the voice of an enemy who's very strategically wanting to keep you from your destiny in God. There is plenty of proof in the world today that the, that Satan hates your destiny. And I would encourage myself and all of you, now is the day to press into Jesus like never before. Now's the day to know him. Now's the day to be able to use the blood of Christ effectively in your life to overcome. And so I just want to urge all of you, I spent time this weekend dealing with OSHA, that situation with our lawyer. I don't know that it's over. I don't, it might be and it might not. But the bottom line is this. There needs to be a generation of people who are watching the manipulations and the strategies of the enemy. And they are saying this. Here's my ground. Here's where I stand. And I'm not giving an inch. Jesus says, the devil has nothing in me. Don't give him an inch. Because all he wants to do is take his tail and sweep you into hell with him. That's all he cares about. Be lifted up. Be strong. Know that there's a way out if you're in the middle of temptation. Pray like you've never prayed before. Believe like you've never believed before. You're the restraining force against evil on the earth today. You and neither, none of us are going to take on the whole world, but you can take on the place where God has planted you. And just stand there. Having done all, just stand. Don't look for a fight. The fight will come to you if you're in love with Jesus. Just stand strong. Let's all stand up. Father, I thank you. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the hope that lies in the heart of every believer. The hope, the hope, the hope, the hope of God. Oh, Lord, you're so good. I thank you, Lord, 
I thank you for our sons and daughters, even our babies that are in our congregation. That you are the God who protects, you are the God who preserves, and you are the God of eternal life. We lay down every fear and manipulation and strategy of the enemy that wants to intimidate and put down and rob. Our children belong to the Lord. And they are safe in your hand. Thank you, God. If you're here today and you've never aligned your life with Jesus Christ, He shed His blood on our behalf to wash away our sins so that we can be forgiven. You cannot enter into the glory of heaven if you reject the means of salvation that God has given. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You need to place your faith in Jesus. You can't earn your way into heaven. You can't earn your way into Christianity. You can't go to church long enough to hope that by osmosis you become a Christian. There's only one way to come to Christ. You have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. You've got to give him lordship. And if you're here today, if you've never received Jesus as your savior, I'm gonna give you an opportunity I'm inviting you to lift up your hand so that you can know that you know that you know you're ready to meet the Lord. If you raise your hand, we're going to close in a prayer that you can join all of us together with just giving our hearts to the Lord. And then I'm going to invite you to step out of your seat and come forward just to pray with us here today. Do you need Jesus? I'll just ask quickly. The Holy Spirit's going to do the work. Do you need Jesus as your Savior? Would you lift up your hand quickly? Just saying, Pastor Jim, I want to give my heart to him. I want to know that I'm ready to meet the Lord. If he were to come in the air today, would you be caught up with him? Anyone here today, you're just saying, I want Jesus as my Savior. God, I just bless you and I thank you for these people, Lord. And I pray, Father, that they would be filled up with the Holy Spirit of God, overflowing vessels. Their light would be bright. Their salt would be salty. I pray, Lord God, that they would be filled with joy. Joy. The joy of the Lord is their strength. And give them peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. We're going to have folks standing here in the front. If you need prayer for anything, please come forward. Let them pray with you. They really want to be able to stand in the prayer of agreement with you. Thank you so much. God bless you all. Thank you for coming. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast can be heard on our cccbasalt.com website, the CCC Basalt app, or your favorite podcast platform. If you'd like to support our efforts financially, you have the opportunity to give at cccbasalt.com forward slash give.